Alright, alright, quieten down now. Live from the Britain Yankee Pub Studios. Another Britain Yankee Craft Beer Pubcast. I can hear the pints being pulled right now. Take it away, lad. You are paying for that beer, aren't you? Pump up the bitter. Pump up the bitter. Yes, indeed. Welcome to Pubcast number 318. We have not in the Britain Yankee Pub Studios, as the uh, introduction would so suggest. In fact, we are sitting outside in the beautiful sunshine, which is amazing, really, because this morning, as we record this on Thursday the 17th or the 16th, I don't know which it is, um, it is been a thundery morning. In fact, they've had tornadoes down in the southern counties. But we're up in East Dundee, and in East Dundee there is a brand new brewery. East Dundee was incorporated, I think, in 1871. The Britain Yankee podcast was created in 2007, but we're at Black and Grey Brewing, which was incorporated, started, begun, opened in 2019. In fact, about three months ago. With me, I have the two Chris's. So this is going to get very difficult. We have no hair Chris and long hair Chris. So no hair Chris, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm, uh... No, no, you've got to say your last name. Oh. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't know who is Chris. I'm no hair Chris. Because remember, <laughs> nobody can see that you have no hair on radio. Very, thank God. <laughs> uh, I'm Chris Kennedy. Chris Kennedy, how are you, Chris? I'm doing and great. you are the owner, founder, the man. Well... That I think is overstating it. My wife, uh, Teresa, and I are the uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, I take care of uh, basically uh, the brewery and brewing the beer. And my lovely wife runs the tap room and makes sure that all our customers are taken care of and happy and loving life. And, and, a, and a quick shout out, I think, to Teresa, right? And, yep. And uh, she wasn't able to be with us because uh, she's recovering from some minor surgery, but everything is going well, I hear. Everything is going good. Yep. So hopefully back in a couple weeks. We'll, we'll come back and uh, meet her at some other time in the future. That'd be lovely. With, with, with no hair Chris Kennedy is long hair Chris, and uh, long hair Chris has got a cap on, so that's how you can tell the difference. No, tell us who you are, Chris. I am Chris Contesso, and I am also a brewer here with Chris. And you have been, how did you guys get together? I guess is the first question. <laughs> so, uh, it, actually, pure luck is what it boils down to. Uh, we were, uh, we put an ad out hiring for personnel. I was planning on doing most of the brewing just myself. And uh, Chris was one of our applicants, and we saw that he actually had been trained as a brewer at Siebel, something that I lacked, and actually had worked in a brewery for three years out on the East Coast. So we were very interested in interviewing him. We met him. We loved him. We offered him a job, and uh, it's just grown from there. And, and it's we're very lucky to have him because uh, I would not be able to keep up on my own. Uh, we have uh, had to brew a lot more than I thought we were going to brew for the first year it's a good problem to have right all our problems here are good we have no complaints but uh i would have been one busy uh busy dude if it uh, hadn't been for chris helping me out here and uh 
uh, helping me brew. And, and Chris, whereabouts on the East Coast did you brew and uh, where, you know, what was the name of the brewery? So I moved out East in 2015 because I really had nothing going on here at the time. And uh, I ended up getting an assistant brewing job at a brew pub on Martha's Vineyard called Offshore Ale Company. Ooh. and uh, Not a bad place to be. Yeah, it was nice. And uh, yeah, started out over there and then kind of got, you know, sick of being out there for a little bit and I ended up coming back and it was, yeah, perfect timing. So you say coming back, are you originally from this area? I'm from Crystal Lake originally. From the Crystal Lake? Oh, okay. Yeah, Crystal Lake, Illinois. Yep. And uh, yep. now I'm and back here. And, too, you know. Yep. Yeah. Good guys over there. Yeah, we're big fans of yeah. Crystal Lake Brewing. Yeah, they have some excellent beers, I must admit. And just good people, man. Um, I uh, like to sample beers as we go along. We had a calibration beer off mic, which was your delicious cream ale um, called Farmhand. Uh, there are not too many places that brew cream ales. And what made you brew cream ale? So one of the things that we set out to do uh, with this brewery is um, make sure that we had beers that were accessible to the general public. Um, we kind of want to be the cheers of the brewing industry, you know, the corner tap where mm -hmm. people both uh, who are into the craft beer scene and who maybe are just into a good tasting beer can come together. Uh, my wife was a big fan of the cream ale. Cream ale was the first beer I brewed as a home brewer, uh, a oh. much uh, worse iteration back then, I will be honest. But uh, it, was, it was a style that we really liked and uh, just uh, wanted to make sure it was one of our staple beers because it's been popular ever since we were home brewers. So, yeah, you, you said you were a home brewer. Um, did you belong to any home brewing societies? I, I never joined any of the uh, home brewing clubs. I was kind of a, a, a loner in the... <laughs> I did a lot of uh, reading on my own and, and uh, both books and, and online and just kind of learned everything myself and uh, bugged the guys at the homebrew shop that I frequented uh, when I had questions that I couldn't figure out and uh, never really got into the uh, homebrewing club scene. <laughs> well, um, the beer that we're now on, our first beer of the official podcast is called Das Kolsch. Das Kolsch. Which uh, is obviously a Kolsch. <laughs> and um, I, I was very uh, interested to try a Kolsch because like, one of my favorite styles, I think they're really clean, crisp beers and now we're coming into the spring and the summer. Wow, you know what? Uh, this, is, this is ideal as a starter and I just wish everybody would uh, try a try a Kolsch rather than an any IPA but we'll come to that in a second <laughs> and we've been talking about that um, tell us a little bit about the Kolsch um, why did you brew a Kolsch another very approachable beer obviously well I think uh, the Germans make some really great beer uh, my family uh, had a lot of foreign exchange students with us when I was younger mm -hmm. uh, one of which was a German uh, exchange student and uh, I went over to Europe longer ago than I care to admit and uh, got introduced to the German beer scene uh, in Germany and just really think that they make some great beers uh, and I just think when it comes to a craft summer beer Kolsch is hard to beat you know sure when it's is. 90 degrees out and uh, you need something that's nice and crisp and refreshing uh, the Kolsch is, is hard to beat you know unfortunately given its uh, style and uh, it's a very uh, hard beer to do right 
you know, if you make any mistakes with it, it definitely shows up. You can't hide behind a lot of hops and things of that nature. Yeah, that's very true. Well, I, I don't think you've made any mistakes with this one. Um, so, thumbs up on the course. And and I was going to talk about this a little bit later on, but seeing as you bring up, um, you know, the, those beers that are the the let's say the lower end of the taste spectrum, shall we say, the lighter beers. I know on your website you mentioned something about it's okay to do lawnmower beers. And I think, you know, a Kolsch, I'm not certain if this Kolsch would be a lawnmower beer for me because <laughs> I appreciate it too much and I want to <laughs> swamp it down. But um, what other beers, I mean, your cream ale would certainly, I think, be class. In it. Have you done any Pilsners or anything like that? So we did, we did a uh, traditional American lager kind of a, a throwback to maybe the 80s style lagers that you see out there called Prairie View, which is the mm-hmm. town that my wife and I grew up in and still live in. Okay. Uh, all malt bill, so no corn adjunct or anything like that. Uh, we uh, have a light American lager that we're giving a shot for the summer. It's in the fermenter right now. Hoping to uh, catch some of those joggers and bikers on the bike path that's right next to our building here. Oh, there is. Huh? Yeah, uh, the Fox Valley bike path is right here. So... Someone who wants to come in and have like a 3.7% alcohol beer can come in and snag a beer and get back on their bike and be on their merry way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a Mexican lager that, that was uh, good. actually um, exceeded our expectations to the point we actually had to pull it off the menu for a couple weeks just to make sure we had a keg or two of it left for Cinco de Mayo. It sold oh, wow. that quickly. So I will tell you, hands down, I keep underestimating how quickly our light beers sell. Our light beers our Belgian Blonde Ale, the Farmhand. Uh, we have a real hard time uh, making sure we brew it again in time to keep it on tap before it goes out from the last batch. And, and you say light beers, um, the Belgian Blonde, which we've got a sample of coming up, and we'll, we'll talk about that one. Not light in alcohol, but no. light in uh, color, right? That is true. That one will uh, sneak up on you if you're not careful. They'll kick your ass if you're not careful, right? Yeah. Um, We'll uh, we'll come back shortly. We'll take a quick break here. Um, I want to find out a little bit about the history of the brewery that you've started and why it's called Black and Grey. So we'll be back in a sec. And uh, the next sample that we have um, is one that I don't see very often. I only know of one other uh, brewery that does a California Common. That's Hot Vine down in Aurora. Uh, his is more like a mild. Yours is a delightful, uh, bright copper color. I mean, if you if you look at a copper mash done or something like that you've got that color on the top of it it's pretty darn good haven't tasted it yet tell us why you did a, did a california comment oh, what's that chris he's very quiet <laughs> <laughs> we'll let him talk about the hazy okay All right. <laughs> i'll be honest my brewing decisions are based on what i like to drink i'm a session drinker i like beers with flavor and uh what i love about the california common is that it's got a nice balance between the malt and the hops and i understand why a lot of brewers don't do this style because there's not a lot you can do with it you basically have to follow a very 
stringent guideline if you want it to be an actual California common. I was, I was trying to, while you were talking, I was trying to find the details on it. It's called Zephyr. For what reason? It's called Zephyr because the original name I came up with was horrible. <laughs> oh, okay. And we, I think we, Chris and I were kegging it and still trying to figure out what we were going to call it. What was the original name? I'm not even going to say. It was I, I think, I think I forgot. The, the Zephyr, isn't that the Amtrak that goes from that is. Yeah. to California? And that is what we yeah. named it after. Excellent. Good choice. Amtrak's going to sue you, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they won't get much. Now, bleep this out. Now, this the... is 5.5%, so I think that's on the higher side of a California common. Probably a little higher than like Anchor Steam okay. or something like that. Um, it's getting 34 IBUs, um, which I can taste definitely in this. Um, this is this is almost like a, a pale ale. <laughs> this is really good too. I'm, I'm really I'm digging all these beers. This is great. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. I was very excited when we tapped that and uh, tasted it. I love the fact that it does have that hop aftertaste. Yeah. But then it's balanced with the malt. I mean, that is a great beer to introduce people if they haven't had IPAs or pale ales to get them start trending in that direction. You know, it's a step up from the farmhand and things mm. like that. What what sort of uh, hops do you favor? Because I find now that breweries will go with either the traditional ones or more and more I'm seeing a few of the newer styles or the not quite so much used styles Mostly. coming in. I mean, we're kind of all over the place with everything, but it's still pretty traditional for the most part, right? Yeah, for the California Common, you got to go with Northern Brewer if, yeah. if you want it to be true to style. So, again, that's why I think a lot of breweries don't do it, because it has a very rigid classification, unlike like an IPA or, or a New England or a Stout. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as our other beers, yeah, we uh, use a lot of Citra, Mosaic, Amarillo, Centennial, mm-hmm. uh, Black IPA that we did uh Use some Cascade. Yeah, Cascade, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we, you know, it says it right on our Facebook page and right on our website. You know, we are into classic interpretations of beer. You know, Mm -hmm. we want beer. uh, We don't want anyone to be surprised when they drink one of our beers. Like, if it says it's a farmhand or a a cream ale, we want them, when they drink it, go, yes, this is a cream ale. And if we say this is an American IPA, we want them to go, yes, this is an American IPA. You know, that's kind of what we're shooting for. So let's talk about East Dundee and the demographic. Um, as I look around, it seems like it's a very... Um, the downtown is, is kind of small. And I mean that in the nicest way. I mean, it's, it's, it's got a kind of small village feel, but I think it's a little bit bigger than I think. Um, and and, we're, and the building you're in is is kind of brand new, and there's some real nice loft apartments above there, which really cool uh, if you live over the brewery. Um, so let's go back a little bit and and talk about where Black and Gray came from. So first of all, the name. I've been trying to figure out Black and Gray because I think you've got some sort of a firefighter association. Is there something to do with that? No, actually. Uh, oh, damn. <laughs> A lot of our beers have uh, names that are, can be tied back to the fire service, uh, but the actual name of the brewery itself uh, came from my wife and I's love of tattoos. Uh, black and gray is a tattooing style that only uses black ink uh, to create shading and, and contrast. Uh, and to be frankly honest, part of it was I was standing in a binnies one day as we were talking about getting this up and running, and I was trying to figure out color schemes, and I'm looking at this wall of beer, and every color scheme on the face of the earth is already taken by somebody. Yeah. We looked at uh, different uh, colors, and uh, 
I thought, well, what if we do black and white? You know, that that would set us apart because the lack of color would uh, stand out. But you have like Off Color Brewing out of Chicago that does black and white, great artwork on their uh, stuff. And Teresa and I were talking about it, and I said, well, what about black and gray, like the tattoo style? And she loved it, so we went with it. Um, my partner uh, at the time at the firehouse, I was telling him about it as we were going to and from calls, and he uh, is an artist on the side, and he's like, I bet you I can draw you up a great black and gray logo, and it just took off from there. And the logo is absolutely tremendous, although from where I'm looking, it looks black and white, but that could be on your shirt. No, right it, but no it is black and gray, I'm, I'm thinking. Um, it, it's, it's American Eagle, right? So and, it's the traditional American Eagle, mm-hmm. just like you would get in a traditional tattoo, which Chris has got some uh, traditional uh, American tattoos himself. Yep. Yeah, you, you got some ink. I can see your ink here uh, coming off there, Chris. Uh, where's yours? I've got a pretty large back piece and a couple things on my shoulders, but uh, my wife is really the one. I think she's up to 17 or oh my God. 18 <laughs> tattoos now. But, I don't have one. I feel so out of it. <laughs> you know, either you're into them or you're not. And the problem is, is once you get into them, they tend to be a little addicting. Uh, you get one and then you want the next one. But I've got a great story here about our, our, um, our logo. The, inside the American Eagle, there's a distressed American flag. And... Uh, a lot of people just, uh, if you take a quick look at it, it looks just like the American flag, but it actually isn't an American flag. It's the Serapis flag. Serapis. Uh, Serapis. Okay. Educate me on that. All right. And this is where the great story comes in. Me, me being an ex-Brit, I don't know everything I about know. this I know. And this is going to be a great story for you as a Brit. Okay. So, Serapis was the name of a British ship during the Revolutionary War. Oh, I'll bet we sunk, right? We didn't sink it. Oh. But we beat it. Oh. John Paul Jones. <laughs> oh, I know him. Yes. Yeah, he used to be uh, in a band, wasn't it? Manfred Mann? Oh, no, that was jo- different. Paul Jones. Never mind. Okay, Paul Jones. Different All right. So, John Paul Jones was an American captain, and uh, he came across the Serapis, which started to uh, whoop his ass out on the open seas. And uh, his crew wanted him to surrender, and he said, I have not yet begun to fight famous American line. I've heard that line. Right? And then he went on and, and beat the Serapis and took it over. So the problem was is when he tried to dock in the Dutch Indies, uh, the British said, well, he's, he's sailing a ship from another country. He doesn't have his country's flag on it, so therefore he's a pirate. If he docks there, you have to arrest him. And the Dutch said, we really don't want to get involved in this mess, so John, if you could just go park somewhere else, we'd be grateful. <laughs> So someone on the boat had a letter from home that described an American flag that they were thinking about creating for the colonies. And it had 13 stars in a circular pattern, and the stripes were red, white, and blue instead of like the red and white we have now. So they took this description from the letter, found material on the boat to make this flag, ran it up the flagpole, and the Dutch said, oh, you got an American flag on your ship. Come on in. So that's how... uh, the Serapis flag. John Jones took the piss out of the Serapis. That's right. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's a great story. Oh, wow. So, I did a, a little historical uh, notation there. So you've incorporated that into your logo. Yeah. I mean, the thing with the American flag is you really shouldn't be using it to sell your business. Right. It's actually against the like the flag code. Right. So this was a way to still celebrate the American flag, but to do it in a way that was respectful and... and uh, the Serapis flag was never an official American flag, so 
and I love history, so to be able to fit something like that in there, be able to tell that story every once in a while is just phenomenal. Um, When did the dream start to appear? Because obviously you were at home one day saying, I love brewing and people liked your beer, and you said, maybe I could do this. So, Nothing like that at all, was it? (laughs) (laughs) I was looking for a new hobby. I had to give up golf. I had a back surgery. And I couldn't, I don't twist very well anymore. And my wife said, well, you know, you're such a beer snob. Why don't you start making those beer kits at home? So I ordered one up and uh, promptly started ruining her cooktop. Uh, so I got myself kicked out of the kitchen pretty quickly after that. Uh, built myself an all grain set up out in the garage. And, uh, you know, brewing is not a cheap hobby uh, when you start buying all that stainless steel. Yeah, right. And I was looking in and I told her, I said, you know, we could spend X amount of money and just do this for ourselves, or we could spend two times X and be able to open our own place with this. And uh, she was willing enough to go along with it, so we started brewing one-barrel batches out of our garage, and about once a month we'd have what we call growler parties. We'd invite friends, co-workers, family over, and we'd just give the beer away. And I told my wife, I said, everyone will tell us to our face that the beer tastes good because they don't want to be rude. I said, the real key is we need to watch and see if they come back month after month yeah. if keep drinking the beer and every month it grew so the word of mouth was the beer was good people were coming back every month to get growlers you know now it was still free beer so i mean that's pretty hard <laughs> to uh free to judge tomorrow. yes i mean a lot of people come out for free beer but uh then we just just decided to take the jump for it and go professional and apparently uh, people coming back weren't wrong so when did you come on board then uh long hair chris I moved back here in, I think, November, and I was looking for brewing jobs because I don't think I could do anything else, honestly. I've I've tried. But um, I picked up a little, like, truck driving job picking up lawnmowers and snowblowers and bringing them to the guy to repair them and then bringing them back. And it was, you know, easy and mindless and whatever, but I don't know. I was so used to... Paid the rent. You know, yeah, it worked, but... um, I was still looking and then this came about at like the perfect time because I don't think, I don't know, I'm just, I feel so good here. Like Chris is great, Teresa's great, the staff's great and uh, yeah, it was just really good timing. And the beer is great too. The beer is great and honestly I was like, I just need to be in a brewery and at the time I didn't have any of Chris's beers but I was like, these people are alright, they're cool, you know, I'll take a chance but the beer is phenomenal and it's it's really neat like being I'm still fairly new into the industry because I only worked I worked as as an assistant brewer at Offshore Ale Company and then that was for three years we were on a 10 barrel system we um, packaged we did a lot more stuff that we do here but this is more like focused on just brewing and you know there's hops that we didn't ever use at this brew pub that I'm able to use now for small batches a lot of new things and uh, it's really neat seeing Chris come from like home brewing to just completely dialing in all these beers and uh, I'm really happy to work for black and gray and it's been been a good good time so far so yeah Yeah. (laughs) so when when Chris was new here I mean he was obviously concerned about coming onto a brewery and tap room with two people that had no experience running a brewery and you know as you say you got rent to pay and stuff and I remember we were in the brewery one day and I can't remember which beer it was (laughs) it might have been the blonde 
but uh, we pulled a, a sample out of the fermenter. You know, we'd been working for a couple of weeks, and he was just working here part time, still working the job, mm-hmm. uh, driving truck. And uh, I remember he tasted the beer out of the fermenter, and he's like, "Okay, I'll work for you." Yeah. Yeah. Like he had to taste that beer first, and and I totally understand that, but I'll never forget that look on his face when he tasted the beer, and he was like. Okay, I'm willing to trust you that I'm not going to be homeless in three months when you go out of business. <laughs> I, guess, I guess, you know, that, that's cool because if you're a trained at Seabull, I mean, I, I don't think that's, a, you know, a bad school to go to. Yeah. <laughs> so um, he must know what he's talking about. Right? It was I'll a hectic two weeks, though. Seabull. <laughs> Seabull, that is. I don't know. All right. Well, we'll come back and talk about your brewing system and, and perhaps what you've got going. We, we had a little look at your pilot system, so we'll just take a quick break, come back, and then we'll talk about that. And, of course, another beer to sample. Beautiful. Whilst the uh, break was on, uh, you guys went out and uh, refilled your glasses, and you went for the Zephyr. I did. California Common, Chris. I said, ah, Chris, and Chris, you went for the uh, Cream Ale. So cream Ale. Obviously, uh, classic styles go down well when you're sitting in the uh, warm sunshine of what I think they said was going to be an 84-degree day. I think they're probably going to reach about 79, 80. It's really nice. Back to East Dundee. I asked, I think I touched on it a little bit, and, and I didn't actually uh, get the answer, but what is the demographic of, you know, what, the people in East Dundee? Are we, are we looking at youngsters, middle-aged, uh, oldies? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> well, East Dundee itself is a small town. It's about 1,800 people, uh, give or take. Uh, I don't know the exact demographics of the area, but uh, as far as uh, the demographics that we pull into the pub, um, I would say that we definitely trend uh, middle age and higher. I think that's fair to say, Chris, yeah? Yeah. Unless it's a Saturday night, you know. Yeah. yeah. So my problem is, is I'm very rarely in the tap room when it's busy. So yeah. <laughs> but, but I, I'm usually in the here during the day brewing, and my wife is running the tap room in the evenings. But So maybe Chris can answer that question better than I can. Yeah. I mean, I bartend right now. I used to bartend Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Now I'm just Friday and Sunday. But Friday nights, you pull in all sorts of people. Um, there's a lot of kind of bigger bars out here that people have been going to for years and you know personally I love going to a craft brewery and then going to a dive bar and having a Pabst I'm sorry but that's you know what I do if I'm trying to go out but we are definitely an early crowd yeah we we are busy dinner time up until 9 10 o'clock and then uh, we usually die out pretty early as the people tend to go on to uh you know bandinos or maybe diamond gyms or you know that's what's great about this area here is this downtown area is uh really getting to the point where it's a destination area you can just want just come out with your friends or your family hit three or four different places get some good food have a couple beers at different places and uh never have to leave the square and you do have next door to you a restaurant um there was a, I think there's a picture on your website 
Well, somewhere I saw this picture of, of your building lit up at night and then I saw right next to it was a restaurant. Um, do, do you find that people come to you and then go to the restaurant and vice versa? Absolutely. We have um, a lot of patrons that have, uh, uh, the restaurant is Migrate. Uh, great, great food. We've never had a patron who's eaten there told us that it was anything other than great food. Uh, we know the people that own it. Obviously, we were building out at the same time, so ah. we were kind of going through the trials and tribulations of construction together, <laughs> which is a bonding experience for sure. Yeah, right. Uh, but great people that own it and uh, great food. They had a scotch egg for a while that a lot of our patrons were grabbing as a appetizer and bringing Ooh. back over. You know what? And then little raving known, about it. Little known fact about the Brit. I won second place in the Muskegon Chronicle, Muskegon, Michigan, Chronicle cooking competition for my scotch eggs. Thank you very much. Awesome. <laughs> I now, I now, thank you. I now make them, uh, instead of out of large eggs, I make them out of quail eggs because then you can put less pork around them. I, I don't deep fry them, I do them in the oven and uh, they're like a little moose bouche, you know. Oh, very nice. Uh, there you go. All right, but anyway, <laughs> enough of my recipes. <laughs> um, so, uh, we were going to talk about your brewing system. Tell us a little bit about what you have, because when I went back there, I said, oh yeah, you got some nice Apex Brewing Company, and you went, they're my fermenters, here's my brewing system. And I went, wow, you're really grassroots. You are doing exceptional beers on this system. I mean, tell us a bit about it. So, <laughs> we're using a two-barrel Blickman system uh, that you can pick up basically at any home brew supply. Uh, it was the system that I started using, uh, doing one-barrel systems out of my garage, and we bought the extensions for it. And uh, we kind of uh, push it to its max. Uh, we're, we have five-barrel fermenters, so we are double-batching two-and-a-half-barrel batches on our Blickman two-barrel system into the... Uh, into the five barrel batches. So our brew days are typically anywhere probably 12 to 14 hours long. Depends what beer it is. Yeah, and if it's uh, Minuteman, the hazy, yeah. then yeah, you're drinking rolling. right now. <laughs> we should bring up, bring that up. As you brought it up, okay, we'll go back to the brewing system in a minute. I am tasting Minuteman, which is your New England IPA. Now, it's slightly cloudy when I sniffed the aroma I said I, I'm getting kind of like a little orange peel going on in there I'm, I'm reading the description and it says it has citra amarillo and mosaic um, I'm not certain I, any of the I mean is this more grapefruit than orange what you guys brew it what do you think well it's definitely ju the the juicy I personally think the mosaic is what really the flavor that really kind of stands out out okay. of those hops there was a silence whilst Phil took a sip. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> I, I had to and watch your facial expression while you had a sip. <laughs> I, now, we have been sitting out here in the sunshine, and it has warmed up a little bit. So I think it may well be better when it's a little bit chillier. And I get that um, citrusy finish, you know, like you do when, when you do it, eat a grapefruit. And at the end of it, you go, wow, that was pretty good. But you got that kind of sharpness in the back of your mouth. And, and you think, oh, yeah, I know I've eaten one of those. Um, I have to say, it is not um, a bad beer. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, you know, I, I, my styles are definitely more your 
traditional classic styles that you're brewing. Um, I didn't. I purposely didn't try the black IPA, which you have on tap as well, because that is one of my favorite styles, and I think one of the least styles that people will brew these days. It's very rare you find somebody who's doing a black IPA, and I think it was a style that some people. That's a polarizing style, I think, because. You know, you either like it or you just don't think it should be an IPA. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, there's something about it that I that I like. Um, so I'll give this a. I'm going to give it a, a ten o'clock thumbs up. We, we I'll take that for a New England IPA. Ten o'clock thumbs up for me. There's I a, can see how a lot of people are going to really enjoy this. So. Well, there's just so many good and New England IPAs being made I'm right gonna, now. I'm not going to waste it, by the way. Well, thank God. <laughs> we, we'd hate to see alcohol yeah, abuse right. here. But, yeah, go, go back to yeah, go back to talk about IPAs and your brewing system and everything. So, uh, when we brew like the New England IPA, something with a high grain bill and uh, that has oats in it, flaked oats and some uh, white wheat, uh, we really are pushing our brew system to the max and some days those end up as 16 hour brew days yeah <laughs> some, so what we do is we split the brew day in two so usually i come in in the morning get the first brew going chris will come in sometime around noon or maybe early afternoon and we kind of both work together for an hour or two uh you know digging out the first mash ton and and mashing in the second batch and then chris will finish up the beer so whenever i screw something up or something takes longer than it should chris ends up paying for it because instead of an eight hour day he has a 10 hour day or 11 hour day how many times does he do that chris <laughs> it's funny everyone like like bar patrons will ask you what's your favorite beer to brew and it's like you know this, the same process is pretty much you know it's all the same but you know it's like there's a cream ale which is you know just very standard easy drinking but then there's this the Minuteman that's our New England IPA that's just heavy you know heavy in hops all that stuff and it's funny because when it comes down to favorite beer being brewed it's whatever goes smoothly so it's like anything but Minuteman is my favorite now because I had a five hour transfer which should have only took like 45 to an hour long so you know, it just varies, yeah. We mentally prepare ourselves for Minuteman Brew Days. Yep. And it is one of our more popular styles, so we've brewed it. Uh, other than maybe the Belgian Blonde or the Farmhand, it's, it's been the beer we've brewed the most. Yeah. So, we like, I tell them a week ahead of time, I'm like, on Tuesday we're brewing Minuteman. <laughs> Be prepared. <laughs> I give them a heads up. <laughs> so, you, you say you're constantly brewing. So, when you brew a batch of beer and you put it in the right tanks or the fermenters or whatever the hell you do to, to store it and get it ready right how many kegs are you going to get out of that batch so we're brewing five barrel batches after uh you know you lose some to uh the dry hopping and and transferring and things like that uh we're using uh, european kegs so they're 50 liter instead of uh half barrel okay. and i would say on average we're getting probably 11 yeah 13 uh, the higher hop kegs. beers we get 10 maybe 10 and a half we do have some uh quarter barrel logs so if we know we're getting low we'll finish off with one of those it's a, a full keg but you say you're constantly running out of beer how are you going to resolve that problem <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question i don't know there's only so many dows in a day Come so on. <laughs> more fermenters or bigger ones i'm not sure which yeah. we're going to do but we've we've really been blessed <coughs> excuse me um our production levels uh have been way higher than we expected for a first year brewery. I mean, 
to uh, to come onto the scene as a small uh, brewery like us, uh, we really expected to maybe do 150, 200 uh, barrels of beer if we were lucky our first year. And right now, I think we're on schedule to do like 350 to 400. So the the support of the community has just been outstanding. Uh, we've been very lucky. There's been a lot of good word of mouth. A lot of repeat customers. We've already got a really great group of, of locals that are regulars. Uh, we just we're just super blessed. I mean, it's been really cool how the community has embraced us as the East Dundee Brewery, uh, and we got a great location. Yeah, it's it's, it's a perfect location. <laughs> I love this downtown area. I just it's do, just phenomenal. Do you have a train that comes through here? Because I'm looking across the way and I see something called the depot. I'm assuming that it used to. So be there used thing. to be a train that ran. That was the train depot, and actually this building used to be the lumber mill. Oh, really? It was kind okay. of the economic driver of the city yeah. Yeah. for 120 years. Uh, it burned down. A couple years ago and that's why this new building is here but if you walk to the west side of the building here you can actually see the the train bed still it runs right next to the building here right next to the bike path so that's why we named our depot or our session ipa depot day ipa because oh. we're right here by the depot what is the depot now uh it is uh basically uh like tourism Oh, okay. Uh, they have uh, you know brochures of all the uh, mm-hmm. the tourism bureau, and then during the summer, uh, they have concerts out here. They have wind down Wednesdays, Thursday Thursdays, uh, Motor Mondays. They bring in uh, classic cars on Mondays, uh, but they'll block off this whole square, bring in live music, and uh, it's really the summers here are great. Yeah, that um, obviously yeah. is going to be great for your business. So you better get bloody brewing. <laughs> going to need. Right. We're gonna need a bigger batch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. We're gonna come back with our final uh, beer and our final segment in just a second. I better finish off my New England IPA. I'll force it down. Don't worry. <laughs> In our last segment, I wanted to just find out a little bit about your background. Uh, I think you're still a firefighter, or you were a firefighter. What do you do, Chris? I am still a firefighter. I'm a full-time firefighter, city of Elgin. Uh, I'm a lieutenant on Quint 1 at Station 1 on the northeast side of the city. And, Been- and I just have you know, nothing else to say except thanks a lot, man, because firefighters and policemen and everything, people just don't know what type of a job it is, except I think you firefighters do nothing but cook all day, don't you? <laughs> no. That and play checkers. Yeah. We play a lot of checkers. It's one of, the, <laughs> it's one of the toughest jobs you can probably have that you have to sit around and wait a, long for, a lot of time for. So how do, you, how do you balance the brewing with your work as a firefighter? Is that why you do the morning shift? Yeah, so um, we work uh, 24 hours on, 48 hours off. So basically, I work a six-day work week is what I do. Is uh, um, I try to give myself one day a week off between the two jobs. Yeah. And uh, Chris and I just work our schedules. Chris has been awesome about being flexible with uh, 
you know, a day that he normally works, if I have to work, uh, you know, he either he just handles stuff himself or he takes that day off and, and doesn't take his normal work day off. But uh, I'm very lucky that, uh, I'll be honest with you, I don't know how people start businesses if they've already got full-time jobs or they work Monday through Friday, 40 hours a week, because how do you ever, it took us a year to get this off the ground. Right. You know, and one of the ways we were able to get it off the ground is, is that I had days off during the week where I could go get stuff done. I have completely no idea what how the how the firefighter job really works, except for the fact that you know when your house is on fire, you need somebody like <laughs> you to get there. Is that what it is? It's like you have to jump on that engine. I mean, you see, what's that movie? Um, uh, the movie with the bullwhip. Oh, backdraft. Oh, backdraft. Yeah, there we go. You see that movie, right? And you think, oh, you know, that's that's like a tough job and so. On. Is it kind of like that? I mean, so backdraft is definitely the Hollywood version of it. Yeah, okay. To be to be frankly honest, uh, the modern fire service is really um, uh, transitioning into what we call it all hazards. Um, fires in America are down due to better building codes, better education, um, teaching people don't you know don't use a space heater and then throw your sweater on it, you know that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, to be frankly honest, eighty percent of our job now is EMS calls. So the city of Elgin they run uh, all their ambulance services through the fire department. Uh, I'm a paramedic, as is ninety percent of the other guys on the job. Uh, so we do a lot of uh, a lot of medical calls. Yeah. That need grows and grows as the baby, baby boomer uh, generation uh, continues to age. Uh, the need for EMS just continues to grow in leaps and bounds. So, um, are you getting close to retirement or not? I, I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> How long have you been in it? <laughs> I've been with Elgin coming up on 13 years. So, oh, cool. we can uh, retire uh, once we're 50 years old uh, if we have 20 years on. Oh, yeah. But, you uh, got- you got way time yeah. to go, man. I mean, what the- this pay- this place might be paid off by the time that I'm ready to retire. <laughs> um, yeah, no, t- no, uh, no plans to uh, only work one job anytime in the near future. Yeah. So you got Chris to help you. And That's right, Chris. I have to say, in between breaks, he got up, he went inside, and he came back with a fresh Belgian Blondale because he knew the one that had been sitting in front of me for the last 45 minutes was going to be warm and not to its optimum. And I have to say, this is a, a up to the standard of all your other beers. You know, I'm looking for something to say, oh, it's a little diacetyl or oh, and it's a little disinfectant. There's nothing. I haven't found a single flaw in any of your beers. So cheers to that. This Belgian Blonde is just what I like. Awesome. This is this is absolutely tremendous. You know, and I'm, 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 off, off mic, I said, if it wasn't, I would let you know. Well, I'll let you know I'm new England IPA. It wasn't my style, but I can't say there was anything wrong with it. As uh, an ex-co-host of mine, Martin Askey, would say, uh, technically, it's a very well-made beer. <laughs> he, was from, he was from Finland, and people listening to the podcast will know that. Um, tell us the story of this Belgian blonde. I mean, you've got candy ale, ca- candy ale, candy sugar in it. So, generally speaking, uh in my past experience going to different breweries and things like that, like the blonde ales were kind of like the, the, they had to throw one on for the people that didn't like craft beer. So when we were looking into doing this, I, I told Teresa, I'm a huge fan of Belgians. Mm-hmm. Belgian beer might be the reason that I actually started home brewing. Um, I was a huge fan of delirium tremens and I wanted to make my own version. Oh yeah. And, 
Um, I made, as a home brewer, I made Delirium Tremens clones probably three times, and I had to pour two of them out because they were god-awful. <laughs> um, you didn't see a, any pink elephants? No, that was, I would have if I had kept drinking them. I tried, but God, they were horrible. Um, but I really like the Belgian styles. I love the Belgian yeast. I love the... I just loved that it had flavor but was still light. So I told Teresa, you know, uh, we're, we're going with this theme of having lighter beers and, and not being afraid of the light beers, but that doesn't mean we have to be afraid of flavor. So instead of doing a typical American blonde ale, uh, we made the Belgian blonde that we had brewed at home one of our standards. It's on year-round, and it is by far our biggest seller. We. We literally, uh, we just tapped the last keg of the last batch maybe two days ago, and we just got the new batch into kegs today. I mean, just in the nick of time, it oh, sells that quick. Fresh, fresh beer. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Um, do you plan on doing any other Belgian styles? So we have a Belgian wit on right now. Okay. Uh, and then in the fall, we're going to do a Belgian strong ale. Uh, and then we were talking, Chris and I have started a program where we're doing a small batch, we call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we yeah, we looked at that in the back before we started recording, and they said, what's this small little thing here with a pipe going into, <laughs> what's that? The, it's the a blow-off valve, yeah. Yeah, the bucket of sanitizer. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll let, I'll let Chris talk about the small batch. It's so His brainchild. Yeah, I mean, Chris, you know, he started homebrewing with the Blickman setup, and basically his Blickman homebrew setup, we added this top tier so we can use it to double batch into these five barrel fermenters. So he had this fermenter sitting at home. I was like, why not bring it in? Let's do some small batch with it when we have downtime. And uh, so we started doing that. First one we did was a black IPA. Um, we have a Imperial Stout in there now. A particularly noisy truck just went past. Yeah. So, sorry, carry on. <laughs> um, so yeah, we did a black IPA. Was the first run, and uh, it went well. I was very nervous about it. It was my first beer here, well, second actually, besides the session IPA. But uh, we have an imperial stout in there now that uh, it's taking a little time, but we're getting it there. It's going to be a peanut butter and cocoa nib imperial stout that we're working on, and then you talked about not putting adjuncts in beers. <laughs> yeah, we're doing it. No, on the right. small system to see what we're doing. No, yeah. but well, We're willing to do one <coughs> barrel of it. One barrel, yeah. <laughs> but one of the things we do want to do is do a quad, a Belgian quad, as a, a small batch. Because to be frankly honest, we've already maxed out our system as it is. We really couldn't do a quad uh, on the two-barrel system as a two-and-a-half barrel. So uh, I think we're going to do one as a small barrel batch maybe in the fall once. You know, a quad is a nice, cool weather beer. You know, it'll warm you up on the insides. <laughs> the thing, the thing with a small batch too is like, being a bartender here as well. You have customers coming in. When are you gonna do, you know, a double New England IPA? When are you gonna do a sour? When are you gonna do all this stuff? And it's like, we'll do it. Just you know, we gotta yeah, give us some time. We'll do it on the small system, and you know, that's you know, I did a smoked porter on the East Coast, which I like doing like weird styles that aren't around much, and. Uh, I was really happy with it, and that's something I eventually do want to bring back in the fall when it's, you know, drinkable, Every you know. Every year I go out and buy the Alaskan smoke. Yep, solid beer. I love smoked beers, but even, like, loving them, I can only have one, you know, so a small batch would be perfect 
for that style specifically. So, uh, maybe so. you can do one that's like a bamboo. You know. Yeah. I did see on your website as well that you do a or have done a bourbon barrel porter. Um, is that right? Or so are we you did lying. <laughs> we did one as a home brewer. The problem with that is that as a home brewer, I was able to soak oak chips in bourbon and drop them in my beer. Okay. As a commercial brewer, that is against the law. Oh. So right. we have to okay. find ourselves some bourbon barrels. Okay. And uh, once we do that, then uh, we'll be able to put some of our porter in there. But as a commercial <laughs> brewer, we haven't done it yet. I'd like to finish up with the $64,000 question. I want to see whether or not one of you knows it. Um, where are you and what's your phone number? Where are we? Oh. Yeah. What's your address? 311 Unit B. Avenue. Unit, Unit B. B. Unit B. Unit B, yes. Remember East Dundee. Okay, never mind. You Look didn't it. want the phone Look number on there. Look it up on the website. Do I have it on my notes? No, I don't. Okay. Well, you failed on that one, Chris. I did. Yeah, the Chris's have failed on their phone number, but I'll have to say that you guys have absolutely succeeded on every one of the samples that I've had. Um, it wants me to try and find one that I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to recommend to everybody that you come out in these beautiful summer months. I think Chris has, has talked up the wonders of East Dundee, but if you just come out here from, if you're in the Schomburg World in Meadows area, it's easy to get to, Algonquin to Dundee. It's perfect. Um, I'm going, I'm savoring my Belgian gold today. <laughs> this is really tremendous. Uh, I will say that, um, and we talked about this earlier on, Church Street does Devil's Advocate. Theirs is a little bit sweeter and more, uh, uh, it's got more oomph to it, this higher alcohol. This is 7.1, which I think is pretty much acceptable to most people's level for a Belgian <laughs> gold. Yeah. Um, the flavor is there. I could sit here in the sunshine on the patio enjoying this all, all evening. Guys, thank you so much for your time. I know you've had long days, as you've highlighted. <laughs> and let's hope you don't get called out, right? <laughs> but um, that. at the end of it, I always raise my glass, and usually with my co-host, I say goodnight from me, and he says goodnight from him, but he's not here. So we'll raise it, and we'll just say cheers. 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 Thanks a lot, guys. Thank much you. Thank you for coming out. Britain Yankee! Britain Yankee! I'll have a pint, Go, give us a pint. You got any tetanus? A pint, please, Bob. Give me another pint, please, Bob.